Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speaker's secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated Slack group with a growing number of founders, experts and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events, and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange, and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest in the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1,000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, we are speaking with Erin Bellart, Managing Director of the Cleantech Hub at Lufthansa Group. The Cleantech Hub is seeking to push boundaries of aviation by driving and accelerating the change towards a cleaner and more sustainable aeronautic industry. Supported by the entire Lufthansa Group, the hub empowers startups through technology projects, partnerships, knowledge transfer, and acceleration programs. So if you have an idea about how to create impact in aviation through technology in the areas of alternative fuel, aircraft hardware, digitalization, waste reduction, nuclear propulsion, and more, they will make sure you get the support. I was excited to have Erin on the show, an incredible woman who is passionate about nature, travel, and putting people together to create impact on the environment. After studying in Canada and spending the first seven years of her career in Asia, Erin joined the Lufthansa Group in 2017. To then, in 2021, at the launch of the hub, take the managing director position to support tech founders who are building the aviation of tomorrow. This episode, Erin will share her extensive knowledge of the aviation industry, its sustainability challenges and the technology opportunities and nature-based solutions which can be deployed today to directly impact climate change. 
Then she will cover in detail how they select and support founders and how they measure the impact that they base their onboarding decisions on. She will go on to the highlight Handlebox area in the aviation environment in which she sees exciting potential for investment growth and impact. Following that, Erin will share her view on the climate crisis today, what's next for the Atlantic Hub, and how you can be involved in this growing cleaner aviation movement. The second part of the show, Erin will give her secret source for founders and corporates looking to get Lufthansa ready and pitch successfully to join the Clintech Hub program. Lastly, Erin will cover how she tackles challenges to maintain a healthy work-life balance and share a few inspiring authors for Climate Tech Founders. Erin, welcome to the show. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. I'm super happy to have you here with us today. I believe it's going to be a great opportunity for you to tell us uh, your story and learn more about uh, what you guys are up to with uh, Lufthansa Group Cleantech Hub. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So before we start, uh, as uh, usual, uh, could you please give us a 30 second introduction about Lufthansa Group Cleantech Hub? Cleantech Hub is an internal Lufthansa uh, center of excellence, which is pulling together all of the different business units, uh, clean technology, which we've made over the years, and opening up the Lufthansa group to external technologies that we need to become a cleaner company uh, over the next few years. So let's start from the from the top. Can you tell us a bit more about your uh, personal story and background? Uh, what are you passionate about? What do you do besides uh, working on supporting and investing in founders who are changing the world of aviation? What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Who is Erin? So I hate to say it, but my social life at the moment is not that good. We're coming out of the pandemic, I hope, and uh, there's been a lot of time at home. We had a bit of um, what the Germans call Kurzarbeit at the beginning of the pandemic. So we had a couple of months where a lot of staff of the Lufthansa Group, in order to kind of mobilize, were sent home and they were kind of on call. On call for your boss will call you if there's any work, but until then, just sit tight and wait for the phone to ring. This happened in the German spring, which is around you know April, which is coming up now. Um, and we had beautiful weather and the flowers were blossoming. So we went for a lot of walks and we did. Uh, my son was at home uh, doing homeschooling. My husband was at home. So we had a lot of family time. We had an au pair that we actually didn't need because we were always there, but we had a Colombian au pair. So she was there. And we did boot camp in the backyard every afternoon and we went for super long walks and we petted horses in the neighborhood. Um, and that's what we had been doing. Now uh, that work has become a little bit more rock and roll. We're starting to see business trips coming back and actually all of the things that make aviation and working in aviation kind of sexy and fun, uh, dealing with people, uh, connecting with people so I would say not a lot of social trips recently, but the business trips at least have started coming back, which I can kind of mix business and pleasure in this regard and uh, also find it, you know, part of, part of the fun for me. So tell us a bit more about your uh, different work and life experience prior to the, the CleanTech Hub. Uh, what did you learn during that journey that gave you, in a way, a hedge to, to lead the hub? 
So I think that my journey to becoming managing director of Clean Tech Hub is a bit strange because um, I was asked uh, by the head of sustainability to join at around summer um, uh, 2021. And at this time, I was really excited about the prospect because obviously um, networking, uh, sales, all of these kind of things, really dealing with a lot of people and putting ideas together, which haven't been uh, combined before, is something that I really, really like professionally and maybe personally as well. So having kind of different impulses and seeing things shifting in the market and putting people together or companies together or concepts together is something that I um, have always really liked. So this was kind of a culmination. I had a really long, uh, basically a long seven years in Asia uh, after university. So in university and in high school, I touched uh, environmental topics and environmental studies. Um, my parents sent me on a pretty awesome school at sea when I was 16 in the Bahamas where we did whale watching and we were like um, making sure that the whale stocks were photographed and that we um, sent all of the documentation to the World Wildlife Fund. So there I really got a little bit of a first uh, taste of it. And then in high school, I was also going to uh, it was when Al Gore and, and this whole time, when climate was cool and, and uh, looking after the environment was cool. Um, I had the feeling, though, afterwards that in, in the context of, of uh, the world, we had an, um, economic crises, we had terrorism and all of these things, and the environment really kind of slipped out of the public consciousness. Um, so now that it is back in the public, public consciousness, I haven't touched it professionally in 20 years, but it's kind of like bringing back, uh, bringing back what I studied initially, what I was interested in, um, and bringing me back to my academic roots, which I kind of always said, ah, you know, I didn't really ever mention too much that I was in that business uh, a long time ago, but actually, um, now it's kind of uh, a time to be proud that I was um, looking at that when I was a young, impressionable person. <laughs> Part of this whole story, do you see or did you identify any like specific ha ha moments, as I call them, that you can you know, recall that was in a way the, the driver or the, 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 the excitement to say, OK, this is the time now for for joining uh, such a movement and, and be part of it. And the uh, Clean Tech Hub is uh, actually the, the best opportunity that I have here in front of me uh, by being part of this, uh, this group. Any, uh, any moment that you can recall? Not a specific moment, but when I was doing environmental studies and studying geography really back in the day in the 90s um, in Canada, um, this kind of this kind of idea of um, doing doing good just for the sake of good and not having an uh, opportunity to uh, to benefit economically um, for me this is not sustainable sustainability also means that there is uh, a chance to to grow uh, a business out of it to sustain people's salaries to sustain um, more than just you know, doing good for for the world because I think that human beings need more than just an altruistic goal. Um, 
if you have achieved everything else in life, then you can be altruistic. But I mean, if you talk about young people, they also want to prove themselves career-wise. They want to um, gain certain successes uh, on their resume. And I think that it's extremely naive to think that humans don't tick that way. So the fact that there is now so much opportunity um, to be had in this uh, clean uh, tech sector um, is really putting together doing good with also a sustainable financial uh, growth. And I think that this is uh, where things are starting to click together um, and where everybody who is in this industry is really having these aha moments all the time. So it's, I think that this is, you know, something that shifted. I think for us, it shifted in aviation just coming out of the, the corona crisis, or maybe we're not even out yet, but it wasn't really top priority, I think, for the whole industry um, until it was, you know, clear that we have to do something. So um, I'm happy that this is now the case. And I think that there's a lot more energy and drive from from all of the different players in the industry that I see. Aha. So, <laughs> exactly. So I think this is a good segue to uh, to move to our next uh, next question. So we like we like to zoom out here and and get a more like the, the macro approach of the the challenges in in the industry. I mean, we all know that uh, you know the airspace, aerospace industry has been you know had bad press uh, and traveling by planes is against what many consider being climate friendly. So, can you give us uh, your uh, overview of the uh, aviation landscape today? Which are the, the sectors and, and categories which have the biggest impact in terms of waste, CO2 emission? and by consequence on uh, climate change, and where do you see solutions are the most needed? So the Clean Tech Hub was set up along the premise that uh, the aviation industry commits the most of its uh, environmental crimes, let's say, on the flight activity itself. So we are really focused on all of the technology around making flight more sustainable, making our activity, which is our main business activity. And we are completely de-scoped um, from the Clean Tech Hub uh, on solar panels on buildings or you know, air uh, leakage in buildings or um, things like that. You know, what, what we're driving to work, what kind of company cars we have, this is all de-scoped. It exists in the larger context of the sustainability planning of the Lufthansa Group, but our main focus um, also as a company is on our business activity of flying. And obviously burning fuel is the biggest driver. And then there are all kinds of things that we can do around flight to make this um, activity of burning fuel uh, lessened or to mitigate it. So there are things like uh, looking for better aerodynamics, uh, changing the types of fuel that we are using, um, looking at different types of engines, looking at different types of uh, powertrains, uh, different types of aircraft, and all of these kind of things. So these are the technology sectors that we are looking for to mitigate our burning of uh, fossil fuel. This is the main driver for us. Of course, there's other things like weight and noise and, and uh, or waste and noise and other things that we are also um, producing, which is not good, and we have to focus on that as well. But uh, I think it's like so our four things are CO2 emissions, non-CO2 emissions, noise, waste. In terms of the um, 
solution uh, regarding all of those uh, challenges that you uh, that you mentioned uh, prior now in terms of like and it sounds that mainly uh, burning fossil fuels is like one of the the, the main challenges that the uh, industry is uh, is facing do you see like uh, as of today in terms of like implementing potential uh, solution to be deployed at scales i mean which one are they and what are the, the proportion between uh, what we call tech software uh, solution versus uh, nature-based uh, solution, if any exists uh, or any needs to be implemented? So there are natural solutions. That let, um, I think we need to, you know, cut, uh, what, what do they say in Germany? They cut the elephant into slices, which I don't understand what this means. But it sounds pretty gross. Um, you need to cut the problem uh, into different sections in order to deal with it. So if you're talking about getting rid of fossil fuels, then we have something called sustainable aviation fuel, also known as SAF. Um, and this is something that we have committed to um, buying um, and switching over to. However, um, obviously the, uh, the main point here is that there's a pretty huge green premium on this SAF. Um, there's not enough of it, and it's uh, held expensive <laughs> as well. So um, our aviation profit margins are at the level where obviously this money uh, to pay for very expensive fuel cannot come out of um, our normal operating uh, budget. This has to come either from incentives from the government or kickbacks or whatever, um, some kind of financial incentive from the government, or it has to be passed on to our passengers. Um, this is a clear statement which our CEO, Karsten Spohr, always makes, and um, this is what we need to look at. If you're talking about um, IT tech, there are things to do, but this is to make our flight more efficient. There's nothing to do with... Um, you can't use IT to create uh, an alternative for fossil fuel. You can use less fossil fuel by flying more efficiently, by implementing information technology, some kind of um, application or some kind of artificial intelligence to make the whole system more uh, efficient. We have projects like we have um, done a pretty cool one recently and just launched it, which is already having a couple of shaving a couple of percentages uh, off of our um, use of fossil fuels or fuel in general for our flights called uh, OpSuite, which is a, um, a project that Swiss, uh, one of our airlines and Google did together based on what happens when um, an irregularity, when a flight gets canceled or something like that. Uh, and what, what happens over the course of the four days, because you have a very big network and all of these aircraft are moving parts in one network and they all have to be planned together. Um, they're not independent uh, aircraft. They're all part of one kind of system with a lot of moving parts. So in order for us to forecast, if that happens, what is the, the fallout? Um, you can then uh, kind of plan towards different KPIs. And one of the KPIs could be to reduce um, the, effect, the effect of climate change or you could reduce CO2. Um, meaning you have a whole bunch of passengers which were affected by this flight. You can then shift them onto other carriers, shift them onto other flights. You can shift them partially onto other flights and then send an alternative aircraft, which is smaller. And there's a lot of things you can do 
So we are now building up tools in order to help us plan um, what is the best recourse. Um, and if we want to have the lowest CO2 impact, we can, um, we can basically press the button that it uh, provides the, the information of what we should do in terms of an operational setup. Um, in terms of natural solutions, uh, if you look at things like sustainable aviation fuel, right now there is sustainable aviation fuel on the market with things uh, made out, out of recovered cooking oil from McDonald's French fry fryers and things like that. There's not enough cooking oil in the world. As much French fries as we eat, it's not going to cover our needs. Like we would have to eat way more French fries and I don't think that that is a sustainable solution for anyone either. Um, there is a, a process which was discovered already decades ago called Fischer-Tropf, which is a, a chemical process in order to create a synthetic gas, which then can be refined into um, basically a synthetic jet fuel. And this is something which a lot of uh, different startups on the market are effectively doing in order to create um, an alternative to fossil fuel. This is extremely promising. However, it's not um, at scale yet, and this is what we are highly interested in helping to scale these types of things. Um, I can explain maybe later a little bit about, you know, what are the uh, shortcomings of, of Fischer-Tropf in today's uh, kind of environment. Um, I think the technology is, is working, but in order to get it up to scale and to fix the supply chain, there, are, there uh, would be a lot of work to do. Um, we've even seen other companies who are looking at, um, you know, microbiomes who are essentially creating fatty acids themselves by eating, uh, you know, specific uh, types of food stock like algae and things like that, which can also create a type of SAF uh, if they're refined. So there's a lot of different approaches to the same problem. And... Um, myself and also the experts like i would say like our super aviation geeks who i work with and our SAF geeks are pinching themselves because they can't believe how lucky they are that they work in an environment where they see so much innovation and so many different approaches to solve this could be a, a good segue for uh my uh next question uh you didn't mention uh, in the different solution uh, that you guys are looking at uh, about um, hydrogen uh, planes or EV uh, or electric planes. Uh, how do you mm. guys uh, see the, the, that in the future? Maybe we can you know, speak one after the, each other uh, if you have uh, any like yeah. you know, view on so, that. Sure. So we would, I would like to split maybe EV... Um, urban air mobility, hydrogen, split these into kind of different categories. Um, the Lufthansa business model is not classically driven towards replacing, you know, replacing any of our services with, um, with these in, inner city uh, taxi. We're not a taxi company. It could be that this is something in the future which becomes an ancillary service to a, to a flight and gets you to the airport, and this is interesting. But um, I think it's not something that we are um, mixing in right now from an operational perspective. It's not something that we're like currently involved in, like seeing how we can get in there. So we're we're 
talking to all of these guys. We know all of these guys. I think that there's certain types of learnings that they can get from us. And I think, um, you know, from, from like IT learnings, for instance, or process learnings, that there's certain things that they can get from us because they're coming from an OEM uh, situation where they build a, an aircraft and they need to build hardware and machinery and they don't maybe understand how all of these things work in a um, in a closed circle or a closed system. So there we, we probably can give them some knowledge exchange. Um, but then what they are doing, which is what I find extremely interesting, is they're looking at a lot more automation and sensors and they're really heavily loaded with technology um, and operating like going towards autonomous which is not really a sustainability issue but you know could be um, and and they're, they're really pushing towards the future and they're moving much more quickly so i do think that there's going to be a lot of um, exchange learnings back and forth between classic aviation and urban air mobility, like these uh, regional taxis, like the whisks of this world or the Jobies or the Liliums or the Holocopters or you, you name it. Um, mm. With regards to, but, but electric is not a solution for long haul uh, or medium haul. There's, the batteries are too heavy. If, there, if they would solve that, we could talk again and it would be a, a whole different ballgame, but batteries are too heavy to fly any distance. So then you look into things like hybrid electric, um, that, where you would have maybe SAF uh, or hydrogen and electric, and it's so kind of like a Prius of the sky, let's say. Um, there we could have a little bit more range. And this is interesting, we look. Um, right now there's a lot of companies in the market, a lot of startups, Silicon Valley startups, or, or there's a few in Europe who are trying to prove their technology by retrofitting um, another aircraft. Usually they're starting on two-seaters, maybe they go to four-seater, and then if they crack like 50-seater, 80-seater, 100-seater, um, we are then getting very interested in looking at this. So we're interested when they're cracking the two-seater, but when they start cracking a larger kind of regional jet or regional propulsion, then we're getting very, um, very curious, very excited, and we want to um, uh, more closely partner with them because then we see really um, a classical potential supplier for, for the future. Um, but then the last one, you said uh, that you wanted to know about hydrogen. So hydrogen for sure, a, an extremely exciting topic. And if hydrogen is part of a hybrid or if it's just hydrogen fuel cell or hydrogen. So this is um, promising. It's probably not going to be promising for the complete long haul, but like a very good regional, uh, you know, European wide, maybe up to five, six hours. Um, and there we are very, uh, very open to talking to a lot of uh, different startups. And what we would like to understand as well is how this is all going to work from a supply chain perspective, from a ground operations perspective, safety issues about if you have hydrogen, compressed hydrogen tanks um, on the runway close to, I don't know, other vehicles, can something explode? Do we have a safety implication? I think this, these topics all need to be very well sorted before, um, before anything happens. We have... Um, 
we have some projects and talk to different companies in order to like understand the situation um, so that we don't uh, we don't miss any boats and that we we also build up our own knowledge internally. So I think hydrogen is definitely something that um, the entire industry is very uh, excited about. Thank you for, for sharing all of those uh, very valuable insights. So what needs to happen to, to have all of different you know, solutions that you guys are looking at uh, to be in a way fully deployed and making the, the plane, uh, the transport by plane carbon free or at least sustainable? How long do you think it's going gonna, gonna to take? Uh, are we going to make it by 2050? Uh, maybe if you can tell us a little bit about your, you know, overview in the European, maybe US, if you have any uh, any insights uh, as well. Um, is did you see anything like blocking that you have identified? Uh, is it a need for like new policies to be put in place? Maybe lack of funding? Uh, maybe lack of technology or, or startups uh, available already to, to to scale? What is the what is the uh, impeding factor? I think if I look at my own schedule and my own ambition and the ambition of our team and of, of my stakeholders at Lufthansa, you know, we the only thing that we lack is time. There's not enough hours in the day to do all of the projects that we might want to do. So we have, um, we have SAF as a very uh, big future beacon or, or current beacon. We have the problem where there's not enough of it and not enough... Uh, passengers are, are electing to buy it because it's quite expensive. So if we would put more investment or if more people would buy SAF, we could obviously use this money also to, uh, to show the industry and bring down the price. I don't think that money is really the issue. My experience is that there's <clears throat> so much uh, venture capital. There's so many funds in the market funding green tech that this is not the limiting factor. The limiting factor is is that we have to move together, um, building up that every single person in this ecosystem is able to contribute what they know and what they can, you know, add to the puzzle and this working together. I don't see um, a very fierce competitive landscape right now like with ip like i do in the urban air mobility um world i think that they're they're quite protective of their ip here i think it's still quite open because a lot of the um the buyers of this technology they all need it so they're kind of uh, looking towards cooperation and cooperation and all of these kind of things um i think the biggest the biggest drivers for us of hitting our goal of 2050 is um cheaper at scale commercially readily available SAF um, if hydrogen is actually going to work um, Airbus has the date of 2035 for their big um, hydrogen aircraft they think that it's quite ambitious but I think that there's a lot of startups who are also ambitious and also very quick and not burdened by the politics of a big corporation, which are going to start nipping at their heels and push them. And I think that um, this consolidation uh, idea where, where different startups are starting to consolidate their technology or that maybe some of the larger ones are snapping up these startups is not even close to happening yet because the technology is not as ripe as it could be. 
Um, I'm looking forward to seeing these startups put pressure on uh, on Airbus and and Co. Uh, mainly Airbus, I think. <laughs> so, do 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 you see any because you didn't mention uh, anything on that side? Uh, do you see any like lack of uh, policy uh, that would uh, need to be passed to, in a way, accelerate uh, those change within the industry? So. One one place where Lufthansa Airlines, I think, or Lufthansa Group, Lufthansa Airlines is a little bit struggling in a competitive situation right now is that our SAF uh, is not subsidized by the government. Some of the other European markets have subsidized SAF, like uh, in the Netherlands or in France. Um, so that's putting us at a disadvantage vis-a-vis -vis our B2B customers. Um, this is something that policy-wise we would like to see change. We are strong opponents of taxing uh, fossil fuel because this is just taking money out of our hands where we could invest it in SAF and we are definitely motivated to do so. Um, we just signed a $250 million deal for SAF offtakes um, uh, in December last year. So we are, we're putting our money and our investment money where our mouth is, and this is uh, for sure important. We do not want to be penalized and taxed um, on top of this because this is not what's needed. If, if people would like to um, pay a certain amount of money to fly somewhere, it should be that part of this money is going towards uh, compensation through, through sustainable aviation fuel or cheaper compensation like, like buying tree tree planting projects or something like that so those are kind of two areas um another thing which we find challenging is and i think here i see a little bit of a difference with the u.s um the, their approach from the u.s government so you have um afworks in the u.s which is air force uh air force's uh, investment vehicle uh in order to accelerate uh, startups in the aviation field. There's a lot of money going into urban air mobility, into autonomous flight and things like that. Um, and you have a, a pretty big pot of money. I, I can't remember <coughs> how much money is in there, but it's something like a half a billion or something like that. In Germany, you have also half a billion euro sitting in a, in a pot for um, clean aviation and you have um, digitalization pots and stuff like that. Uh, our money is maybe a little bit linked to research and not so linked to commercial uh, endeavors. And I think that in theory, it's good, but in practice, companies cannot use this money to invest in things which are the future leading edge technologies because they will miss the boat. They will be too slow. Uh, because there's too many strings attached and you have to bring along too many research um, institutes in order to really capitalize on something which needs to be done now. It needs to be done quickly within you know six months, nine months, and then rolled out and, and implemented to, to customers, whatever. So I think that those are things where uh, our, our different governments could, could uh, potentially do things a little bit better. Okay, thank you so much. So let's go into the, the specific of the, the CleanTech uh, hub. Can you uh, tell us a bit more about like the, the story, the, the genesis uh, of it? Why and who uh, you know started the, the initiatives? What was the initial gap uh, seen that in a way led to the, the thesis behind the, the CleanTech hub? 
so the very like initial seeds of the clean tech hub um i think came out of lufthansa group strategy um i i think that this kind of emerging from the crisis and we had the worst two years of the history of the company and every every airline had the worst two years ever um we did not uh, go bankrupt we were we were supported by the government we were extremely thankful but it was a little bit touch and go for a while but for the whole industry um we are not recovered we are still in somehow crisis semi post-crisis mode we still have omnicron um but i think that in the summer there was this kind of shift like okay we are now repositioning for our next thing which is to be strong again and to have a you know we were a very strong airline before and a group um in 2019 i think we had the best year ever uh and then all of a sudden uh, the world <laughs> kind of ended and we were all um kind of holding on for dear life but this summer we started emerging and i think around may june um when some of the you know uh restrictions lifted and we started seeing like the light at the end of the tunnel of uh, covid um i think it started to be like looking into the future mode and bracing ourselves for what's next and uh, of the future growth and then i think there the opportunity was very clear like we need uh to focus on climate next this is the uh the biggest topic that we need to focus on as well as passengers you know loyalty and all of these other issues but we've always had those but the new one that comes in is climate and how can we really accelerate and uh make sure that we are ready for meeting these very uh very tricky targets that we have um and we need to pull in a ton of uh external impetus and external technology and to figure out how to bake this into the Lufthansa group so um we had a a new person named uh Annette Mann who was then my direct boss and a brilliant uh leader um and she came in January 2021 uh she fortunately unfortunately now has uh got a new role as CEO of Austrian so we uh we have been extremely sad to lose her but obviously we can't begrudge her such a fantastic uh, promotion and we will still see each other and everything but um so she um pulled this together and she i think very cleverly put together all of the best networkers and drivers of Lufthansa group across the different business units to say guys we need power here we need energy we need this kind of push put this together and um we kicked off with like a meeting in June um a bigger kick off a couple of day, uh, days in August and then I was onboarded um end of August or I was called and said hey Aaron you want to come over and, and do this um we think that you're right you have the kind of entrepreneurial salesy and, and and pushiness that we're looking for um and then we just started uh full on working uh to get this up and running and um and here we are <laughs> it's a few months so, later congratulations pretty quick for uh you know sometimes for like a, a big corporate as uh or as like uh, sometimes a bit like uh, a bit more challenging to to move on so uh, congrats on that can you tell us a bit more about like how the, the program uh works what do you offer to to founders and 
uh, that you in a way invest in and 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 support like uh, and maybe if you can relate to the challenges that uh, you see that uh, are specific uh, to them when they arrive and, and, and knock on your doors and thanks to yeah. you guys you can go to the to the next step so um, I called in uh, I called in somebody that I worked with before called uh, Annie Druitz, and she was somebody that I was working very closely with at um, at LSG, uh, the catering company, uh, with a very strong um, organization of challenges, organization of you know, organizing um, uh, pitches and things like that. And I had a couple of what we call focus area champions who had had um, experience pulling up these pitch sessions with external companies. Um, Technic had done quite a bit. Lufthansa Technic had done quite a bit. So we pulled together all of these different experiences of startup challenges that we had within the Lufthansa group who were kind of already sitting somehow in the umbrella of the Clean Tech Hub and put all of this knowledge together. And we made a process where we also have a pitch day uh, quarterly and we invite companies to come and pitch us something. Um, we offer 10 boosters. Um, the boosters are things like you can become, um, you know, a supplier or you can get, we can give you our first customership uh, or um, which we have. It, it means like a pretty big volume actually for a young startup to get a Lufthansa as a customer. So um, we can give you a product uh, with our volumes behind it. This is like a really big push. We can give you an endorsement. We can say, we have checked this technology. We have checked this management team and we believe in you. So we, um, we will strategically partner with the company, which helps them to get venture capital or to get a second customer. We will hook them up as well with, um, with investment. We could invest in them ourselves. Um, or not, depending. Um, we can help them with certification knowledge because this aviation industry is tricky. It's like the operations is complex. Um, and I think that if you're not in there, so like let's say these Fisher tough guys come in or the staff guys um, with synthetic fuel, they have like a small piece of technology. They're coming out of PhD programs in technical universities and they're super brilliant, but like we could blow their mind with the complexity of a Lufthansa group supply chain, for instance. So there we, what I like to say, I always like, you can see my background. We have the wing. I stick these startups under the wing and we like protect them in the Lufthansa group and we tell them, okay, you have to do this and this. So we have a huge um, uh, bunch of, you know, contacts across different uh, industries or whatever they need. We have government contacts. And so we basically try and cook a little deal for each company individually and see how they could be baked into the Lufthansa world, how we could not, not necessarily financially like buy them and then own them, no, but like how could we um, take something that they have, some ideas, some whatever, and to... Um, implement it in one of our airlines or in, in our business somehow and like to make it actually working, prove it, make it make it tangible, make it like easy to communicate where they can get a really a lot of acceleration out of it. So we we're not an accelerator per se, but kind of yes. 
<laughs> or the Lufthansa group is the accelerator and we bring them in and figure out like how to, who to send them to and how to, um, to fix it up. So you definitely have a, a role of facilitator uh, yeah. within the within the, the complex world of the aerospace uh, industry. So can you, can you give us a, maybe an example? And you mentioned a few of them at the, during the, the interview so far uh, of your you know previous like companies that joined the, the the program. I mean, what makes them special? You know, the team, I guess, the market, the technology. How do you source those uh, founders and, uh, and team? Um, how do you ensure that also they don't, uh, in a way, become lazy uh, by, by thinking of like, you know, uh, especially important at the, at the early stage of a startup is to have this uh, hungriness to, to grow and, uh, and, and, and become like a, a, a bigger or larger, uh, you know, structure and more sustainable. So sometimes, you know, having a, a big parents or being under a wing, it's always a, it can be, you know, another challenge. It's like, yeah, we have, we have time to, uh, to survive. It's, uh, it's longer. So who should come to pitch you? Who are the, the, the companies that you're looking for? So we've got some companies that have pitched in the background. And like I mentioned, it's really these beautiful stories of two young PhD students who have like a, you know, crazy mad scientist breakthrough technology that they've somehow created in a lab at their university. And now they are brave enough to bring it out and to turn it into a startup and to to, to come and approach Lufthansa. So um, they approach us for a pitch uh, or they approach us, I don't know, somehow through the back door or wherever. Um, and if we see something there that we find has potential, then we will um, try and do something for them. It is not the, um, the main uh, operating procedure of Lufthansa Group to financially invest in all of these companies. Definitely not. We are not an investor in this sense. We will only invest if it's a strategic uh, benefit for us, and if we um, we are you know, a strategic fit in terms of that. Otherwise, I think it's better to stay in the customer role and then to help them with knowledge exchange and with like, hey guys, why don't you talk to these people? Or we met um, we met this company which uh, can help you, or this is a current supplier of ours, and please. Um, get your product in here and we will work together on the specifications. So there's a pretty, um, a pretty nice example. And this company is somehow sexy. They have everything. They have like two young female founders, um, super smart science. Uh, and they, so a company called Traceless, it's German. So we are German, everything perfect, perfect uh, match made in heaven. They have a plastic alternative. Um, which are pellets, which are able to be put into any kind of uh, plastic tooling. So it means that you're not basically mucking up the supply chain by needing, um, needing to source new products and getting new products into, you know, the, the supply chain, which is complicated. You, you have specification. There's a lot behind all of this specifications, everything in SAP, you have supplier contracts, blah, blah, blah. So they have a product which is somehow clever. It's replacing plastic and it will dissolve in your compost heap at home in 40 days. There's a video on YouTube that shows over time lapse, this thing just dissolves. Um, so even that, they're not at scale and they have this challenge now of finding you know, 
a place to put a factory and, and ordering the, um, the machinery to produce this stuff. And they're also not at scale yet, but we really want to be there with them when they, when they are scaling. So we've ordered now, it sounds super small for the world at large, but it's important because every little thing counts. You know, if you, if you get the first product, then the second one is easier and the third one is easier and the fourth one. And then it becomes, uh, I think that the scaling happens automatically. So we have this like see-through plastic bag to go around a cutlery pack as the first thing that we're doing with them. This is nothing fancy and nothing. Yeah, we tried to pick something easy that could go fast, but our volumes are in the millions, guys. So when you have one product, it can already be really helpful for a company. So this is what we have done with um, with Traceless. It's not the same situation for everybody, but we try and figure out, okay, what can make this company shine, make them like really help them. And so that would be one, one example. Thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's exciting. And uh, which out of all of those companies that you, uh, you, you see passing through the different uh, pitch day or, you know, that uh, in a way they're declining to your... How do they uh, succeed? No, my, my question would be more like about like, which one do you see as, uh, you know, with your uh, with overview now on this uh, whole landscape? Like, which one do you think has the most... Uh, is most interesting in terms of uh, what I call ICR impact uh, cash return. So meaning like building impactful companies while creating a highly profitable uh, business in the uh, aerospace uh, industry. Do you see any underdogs, subsectors, area that you're excited about uh, in the aviation landscape that maybe other investors or the founders should look at? I don't know. I think that Lufthansa probably, we also look um at things that are not sexy as being exciting for us and like you know the 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 uh the secret unicorn they're not going to be unicorns probably but the secret um the secret winners that we could identify um are things like so we have a company pitching uh upcoming company pitching and i if i read this i'm like oh i don't really see the big benefit but when somebody from lufthansa technic reads it they're like that's something we need to solve. We've been, we've been wondering how to solve that for years and years. And this is a, a company which is making an insulation, which goes between the outside of the aircraft and the, like the, the panel walls. And apparently in the past we have, um, we have uh, a huge amount of water vapor, which kind of collects in the, um, in the uh, insulation and it creates a real weight problem. So now we have a company who wants to pitch us an insulation which does not uh, retain water. So it means that the whole aircraft does not have this extra weight uh, which is traveling around. So you know the size of the aircraft and you think, okay, if it's collecting 90% water vapor from outside, you can kind of extrapolate that this is quite a few kilos. Uh, every kilo creates more fuel burn. Um, and stuff like that are like the real kind of hidden gems where our kind of nerdy engineers might get excited. Um, obviously, if this is a Silicon Valley startup podcast, then you want to hear about hydrogen and eVTOL and, um, and SAF and, and uh, SINFUELS and all of this. I fully understand. But also sometimes those other under-the-scene, behind-the-scene uh, things are exciting for us as well. It's a whole spectrum. <laughs> 
fair, fair enough. That's that's for sure. But hey, on the other side of the, the spectrum, like to to your opinion, which are the, the, the solution that you believe makes zero sense in a way whatsoever? And sounds almost like green washing or waste of time or resource. Do you have a, maybe a, any example that you you saw recently? Um. With no need to name the company uh, in <laughs> itself, but uh... I mean, there's yeah, greenwashing is when you do marketing about stuff which uh, was probably not invented for having climate effects, but was invented for cost effects. Okay, but we do have a lot of these kind of um, solutions that exist internally as well. We try not to market them too much because we didn't um, come up with the solution for. Uh, saving the planet, we came up to save money and to save fuel. Fuel is expensive. I think uh, I think your audience knows that. Um, so mislabeling that is potentially something which I could say could be perceived as greenwashing, whereby saving fuel is key towards saving CO two emissions. In terms of external technologies, where I think really there's no point. Um, I'm like not technical enough to tell you. I think I I, ha I hate to say it, but I I think everything is cool when it comes in. And then uh, our certain technologies, uh, we send them to the engineers, we send them to flight ops, or send them to Technic, and they kick it out and they say this is this is hogwash, this is you know, BS, whatever, and they kick it out and I say really, I thought it was good, but um, yeah. So. I think this is a, the, the right time to ask uh, as well. How do you measure impact? Uh, do you have any specific like process or framework, or do you rely maybe on scientists or experts to validate that the tech uh, or the new solution that is presented to you can really have a, a, an impact? Uh, maybe it's a cost impact. Maybe it's a, a, you know in terms of CO two uh, removal or avoid it, or maybe a social impact. Is there like any criteria that you guys are looking at as well? So we have um, this discussion all the time about how to measure impact for our projects because the clean tech hub is new and because this um, environmental impact measurement is somehow um, not completely new, but in this regard new, um, we have to look at new metrics and measures and, and we're implementing now a new homegrown IT system to rank projects in terms of their kind of uh, score. We have a, a, a new product, which is um, in MVP uh, implementation phase called EcoScore. And it basically gives you like a scala of how impactful the project will be. So this is something, it doesn't mean that we have completely um, excluded uh, external providers for this. Um, we have however a whole bunch of it systems we have way too many it systems like all airlines um <laughs> uh, yeah it's the nature of the complexity and the the history of big companies okay we have too many it systems but we have very sophisticated long-running projects and teams which look at things like um flight flight up efficiency and fuel efficiency and we have um an ai based uh fuel calculator and uh, in aviatar in a in a also a joint um project which we developed with google at uh, lufthansa technic to really measure all of these things we have a lot in the it space to 
um, to measure impact of specific things. But now what we are implementing is the measurement of these really sustainability um, uh, projects and what they will bring to the group because we do not have um, anything better than our gut <laughs> for, for, for classifying. And we all, we all uh, know that this is not the right way. We are a German company with a lot of engineers. This is obviously um, not, not the, end, uh, the end picture. So what's next for the, the CleanTech Hub and uh, what's, your, uh, what's your goals for the next uh, 6 to 12 uh, months? So 6 to 12 months, we have a very robust uh, event schedule, I would say, where we are linking up with different external um, events as well as internal. We, we are trying to create spaces, physical spaces, where some of our um, startups that we're working with can um, have access to aircraft and engineers and, and know-how in our hangars at Lufthansa Technik in, in Hamburg, for instance. So this is a project that we're setting up. Um, we have quarterly pitch days. So the next one is February 24th and we have eight companies pitching. Uh, right now, what we have to do is talk to all of those companies to make sure that they are spot on with how they pitch to, um, to our management board or the jury because we have seen from the past that if they um, spend too much time framing the problem, uh, they run out of time to frame the solution. And we already know the problem very well. We are, um, we are in this business. We have been in this business for a long time. So we know um, CO2 savings and all of these things are the issues that need to be solved. So I think um, preparing all of this and then the, the other things that we um, are doing full-time is this boosting of projects. We already have, I think, 11 projects in boosting, you know, getting, they're receiving one, two, three, four of these uh, boosters that we have. And this means that there's project management on our side. There's um, instigating a project, getting it, uh, you know, getting it a, a proper home within the Lufthansa group, pushing it, communicating it, um, and this is also from from the core team perspective a lot of work. It's like a lot of uh, you know full time full time uh, project work. So we have an H two demonstrator project that we are uh, assisting. That is uh, based in Hamburg. Um, uh, so uh, basically looking for other partners to come in and um, accelerate them. For instance. Uh, we have an aircraft which is coming in from, was parked in Spain that we are looking forward to getting in a couple of weeks to to start doing hydrogen demonstrations and, and figuring out the, the ground operations. We have AeroShark um, foil implementations, and this is a, a kind of a, a plastic uh, foil which goes on the outside of aircraft to make them more aerodynamic, which shaves off a couple of percent of uh, CO2 emissions. Um, we have further implementations of, uh, of different IT suites, um, which will be big projects. Um, so we're, we're touching all of those. It's not all part of the Clean Tech Hub core uh, responsibility, but we're doing a lot of different projects um, to, to get all of these things up and running.
That's and there's exciting. more coming. Yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw that, and I uh, will be definitely happy to uh, to follow up uh, with you guys. So uh, before we we close the the first uh, part of this interview, uh, a couple of more questions uh, for you, uh, more on the personal side. Like, uh, what's your, what's your view on the on the climate crisis? Uh, as I always ask, are we doomed? I mean, what would you say to people who feel demoralized by all the terrible news and already visible consequences on uh, on climate change? Um. What is the right answer to say here? I think this is a personality issue. The personality that I have is quite a positive, optimistic personality. Whether I believe my own uh, jargon or I don't believe it, it doesn't matter. I have to believe it because otherwise I'll just get depressed and uh, not try. I get very energized by all of the um, innovation that I see. This is something that personally really, really gives me power. Uh, and passion as well. And if I would focus on the negatives, I don't think that I would um, be able to do anything. So it's for me just an you know uh, integral part of my personality that I am positive. I am very positive with regards to technology. I think that technology can change a lot. Obviously, behavior is the other part of the uh, you know the, the other flip side of the coin. And behavior is um, a super important driver as well. What I rather dislike is people who just complain all the time. Uh, this kind of <laughs> complain activism on Facebook where people just uh, shame companies or shame industries who are actually trying really, really hard and putting in a lot of work to, to transform things. I think that it's a lazy... Um, answer to just uh, you know point fingers and to only use behavior and not try and use influence of building up uh, a future alternative i don't think that any of these people legitimately never want to fly in an aircraft again i don't believe this i don't believe that they don't want to visit family somewhere or friends or ever um, visit another culture i think this is absolutely nothing that you know our modern society wants to go back to Aviation is like mankind's, you know, top uh, proof of innovation and something that we, uh, I think as humans should be really proud of that we are flying in aircraft, but we don't have wings, but we managed to, to figure it out. And don't worry, we'll manage to figure out how to do it in a sustainable, cleaner way. Um, you asked me before if we're going to hit 2030 and 2050. Yes. But if not, we will hit um, we will hit something close, and then we will have a lot of work because there will be more technology available to maybe do more cap carbon capture. Maybe it'll be cheaper. I think that things will work out. I don't know how the future exactly looks, but I I think I have to be optimistic in this regard. I totally agree with you. We we, we need to stay optimistic. We need to we need to move on. And uh, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, Things are not easy, uh, won't be easy, but, uh, you know, there is nothing worse than uh, sitting and just uh, complaining about uh, uh, about the situation. So uh, just a, a last, last last question. Uh, what we speaks in the tech industry, but also in a big corporation about the, the gender equality and, and opportunity. Again, you are a great example uh, that woman has a critical role uh, in the fight against uh, the climate crisis and, and has their place to, 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 to fight uh, in that. What would you say to a woman who wants to, in a way, take that step? Uh, what's your view on it? I think that 
Um, I, I think in any industry, you have to have a balance because it's never good to have only one viewpoint. I've been in very male-dominated industries before. Um, I was just in IT previously to this, and this is quite male-dominated. I kind of like it to be the only girl sometimes. It's, uh, for me, uh, fun, but I also like being one of many women. Um, in this role, in the clean tech hub, there's really a lot of strong women. We have um, clean tech hub sitting under Anata Mann. Uh, she has a new um, successor, also a fantastic woman, Carol Dresche, who is coming from Swiss. Um, Christina Fröster as a board member, fantastic, you know, role model. And then I hate to say it, but a lot of the clean tech hub core team are also women. We only have one guy now. And this was not on purpose, but it is what it is. And we feel very bad for him and we try and uh, help him and like take care of him because we know that it's a bit hard. Um, um, I think you need everything. We have a lot of uh, areas of the Lufthansa group, which are maybe a little bit male dominated, but um, other areas which are completely female dominated, like catering was also female dominated. Crew is quite female dominated. Cockpit is a little bit male-dominated, but I think um, in headquarter we see a lot of mixing, and I think that this is a very, uh, a very important uh, culture of mixing different styles, different uh, experiences, different approaches, um, and yeah, uh, welcome women. I say women have to come; they have to show passion. Um, Annette told me my job was to sparkle and to bring uh, bring visibility to the clean tech hub. This is what I try to do every day. Um, yeah. As so a how woman. can the <laughs> exactly? So how can the <laughs> how can the community uh, can help you today? I mean, community of investors, founders, uh, experts around the world who are listening to the show. How can they help you? Um, I don't know, Jerry Maguire, help me help you. I, we are in the business of trying to find opportunities that we can implement into Lufthansa. So if you see anything along the lines of um, hard, aircraft hardware retrofit that can make our aircraft more aerodynamic or lighter uh, or um, that the engines run better or cleaner, uh, if you see any kind of technology which um, is going to be a breakthrough for, for new types of fuel, for, for SAF, for instance, or power to liquid, uh, or sunlight to liquid, or things like that, um, get in touch. If you have any kind of um, IT uh, solutions where you think that uh, could make us more efficient or um, reduce our waste uh, footprint, get in touch with us if you have any kind of out there ideas of the next uh, generation of aviation get in touch we have a lot of different um, areas that we're trying to solve a lot of firefighting on different uh, areas uh, different areas we need a lot of help from the external market um you said you have a lot of venture capitalists we uh we we would appreciate if you invest in these great companies. If you see something um, and if you've invested in something, get in touch with me. I'm very, very happy to, to hear. I've already had this situation where venture capitalists say, look, we have something really interesting. I think it could be good for you. Um, and this is, I think, just um, 
networking, <laughs> basic networking, and then everybody does their part. We do the part of, you know, expert. Uh, venture capital brings money uh, and some expertise as well. Uh, startups bring science. Uh, they bring the speed. And I think when this ecosystem is all clicking together, then we're going to make magic. Any question I should have uh, asked that uh, did not for this uh, first part of the interview? I see that we're running a little bit of time, but uh, we'll move on to the second part uh, soon. Let me know. No, I think we can move on to the second part, then I have nothing else. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So thank you so much, Erin. Uh, thank you so much for, for your time uh, and your incredible uh, insights uh, on the uh, industry. I'm so excited to see so many uh, brilliant people like you, uh, you know, putting so much time and effort to make uh, the travel industry uh, better, cleaner, uh, faster, maybe cheaper. Uh, but thank you so much for uh, all of uh, those efforts. Thank you so much, Guillaume. It was a pleasure. Hi, it's Guillaume again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. As I said, do not hesitate to share an episode with a friend. Also, if you value the work we do for the climate tech ecosystem, here is how you can contribute to it. Today, I'm asking for your support and a donation or sponsorship to make the work of our self-funded team more viable. Even a small contribution means a lot to us. In any case, I will invite you to subscribe to our channels and visit our website startupbasecamp.org to discover more episodes like this one. And get your membership to access all our members' exclusive content. So remember, all of this is possible because of your support and donation. And we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. Let's keep in touch and I hope you will enjoy our next show with us.